This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, my guest is Irene DeJesus with DeJesus Law Group. Welcome. Nice to be here, Gary. So, Irene, tell us, how did you, first, how did you get into, into law? And then secondly, what made you get into estate and elder care? Yeah, so those are probably really entwined, those two questions, because I used to be a nurse. I don't know if oh, you know, wow. Gary, but I was a nurse for about 30 years. Um, I look pretty damn good, don't I? Yes, you do. Uh, So, yeah, I started out, um, and as you might be able to tell, I originally am from Canada, but I started out uh, being a nurse, uh, trauma, open heart, critical care, ED, you name it. And then I was an executive in healthcare. Um, But my husband, and we've been married now for 30 years. And he wanted, he's always wanted to go to law school. So he went first and uh, we have two boys and he went when they were five and six. Okay. So I worked uh, nights in open heart so that he could go. And in his last semester of law school, Gary, he developed a brain tumor on his brainstem and he was in his thirties. And he was given less than a 1% chance of survival. And that was whether we did surgery or we didn't do surgery. And so, I don't know, as a trauma nurse and a critical care nurse, everything happens out there, right? It doesn't touch in here, Um, especially your mid-30s, you know, it's uh, that's somebody else's issue and and I'm a problem solver for their issues right and here we are in the middle of this and so the surgeon we uh both Hector and I started out as nurses we've both been nurses for a very long time that's how we met I was working in the trauma center in Jacksonville Florida and he was working in the ER and when we saw each other, I'm telling you, bells went off. It was just magical. And um, it was a patient coding, but we still took it as magical and we got married. Right. 
And uh, like I said, that's been 30 years later. But when did, did you did, did you ahead. guys save the patient? Yes. There oh, heck yes. Yes. All right, yes, perfect. yes. All right. Um, and so then uh, anyway, so he has this brain tumor on his brain stem. We're both very, very deep in the medical community here in Orlando, Florida. And the surgeon basically said to us, look, I can take him in for emergency surgery right now, or I can give you guys seven days to get your affairs in order. And we had nothing in place. I mean, nothing. We had two young children and nothing. And so we decided, all right, you know, we know what emergency surgery looks like. Neither one of us wanted um, that to be Hector's last experience. So we did. We took the week. We got our affairs in order. We saw a local attorney. And I remember, you know, he was asking us questions. But, Gary, it sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher. Right. Like, wah, 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 right? Like, I just wasn't processing. And I remember 30 minutes later being handed this binder going, okay, great. I'm very detailed and very organized. Um, you might call me a control freak, whatever, uh, OCD, whatever. But what, what, what good attorney is not? Right. And so I remember in my list, I had get a plan put in place, right? Get, and so I remember checking that off with this sense of security going, I've gotten that one thing done. And just like most people, I proceeded to put that plan into a drawer and not look at it again until yep. nine, nine years later. Um, and so then getting back to why did I go to law school? Listen, I figure, I figure if Hector could go to law school with a brain tumor and pass, oh, by the way, surgery, absolute total miracle, six weeks later, relearns how to walk and everything and graduates law school. That was 18 years wow. ago, 18 years awesome. ago. So then I figure if homeboy could go to law school with a brain tumor and pass, I could. Right. Pretty sure I could, right? So I, I went when the boys were just starting high school. Um, I went to law school and had a blast. I loved being in my 40s going to law school. It, anybody out there that's listening to you, Gary, you're never too old to do anything. Right. You just aren't, right? It gives you a whole different perspective. So I went to law school. And then once I graduated I, and was starting my own firm, I figured I must be smart enough now to know what our plan says. <laughs> and I remember pulling that plan out, like there's an inch thick of dust on it, uh -huh. blowing the dust off and going, oh, snap. Um, there were more choice words than oh, that. I bet. But remember going, you got to be kidding me. Because in that nine plus years that had transpired since Hector's brain surgery, um, so much had changed in our family. So much had changed in our assets. A lot, significant amount had changed in Florida law. And as you know, a lot had changed in federal law right. in that nine year span. And there was no way that plan was going to work. I mean, none. 
And so that's why I practice law the way I do. That's why I do estate planning the way I do. Um, I want to make sure that I, I just say when poop hits the fan, that you've actually got a plan that'll work and right. you've got an attorney and a law firm that'll work with you and walk you through this really complex maze that we call law and healthcare. Yeah. Right. We, you know, in going through that, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm sure it was quite eye-opening to go back. Now, when you went from, you don't even probably remember the meeting that you had, like you said, it was Charlie Brown's teacher. Um, and then to, okay, you know a lot of stuff. And looking back at it, you're probably like, well, some of that didn't even work then. So, um, you know, definitely doesn't work now. So what are some of the common mistakes that you are seeing people make when it comes to, you know, the elder care and, and estate planning? Yeah. That, so to me, elder care and estate planning, Gary, is kind of like peanut butter and jelly, right? The strong foundation is your estate planning. Estate planning feels like what? You got to be a billionaire. But we have to remember the word comes from England way back in the medieval times when, you know, lords went off to war and they weren't coming back and they wanted to make sure that their lands were transferred to their heirs, right? And so we get, we're, we're saddled with this world word called estate planning. And so many people do not understand what it means. Like they just don't understand what it is. And so I try to show them, look, it's anything that's titled in your name, mm -hmm. anything, right? Your bank account, your checking account, doesn't matter how small it is or how large it is, you know, your house, your car, whatever, life insurance, retirement accounts, this is part of your estate. And so what I see folks doing that is repeating often many, many times is there's this concept both with the people doing the planning and I think attorneys is it's a one and done, right? right? This is a one and done thing. When so much in my own experience shows your family status changes. I mean, mm -hmm. is it not true that you are either in the middle of something, some big thing in your life, you're just finishing some big thing in your life that you're working through, or you're about to head into some big thing in your life, right? I can tell you in my 59 years, boy, I know that one. That yeah. one I know. Yeah. Right. And so to think that a document can span even 10 years, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, it, it's not feasible, right? Because your family changes, your family dynamics change, your own health changes. Along with that changing is the laws. The laws are changing all the time. And here in Florida, one of those, uh, we kind of feel like here in Florida, we're the senior citizen capital, right, of the mm -hmm. whole 
country, right? right, right. And, and uh, whether that's true or not, it just feels like it. And we also seem to have a high amount of elder fraud, right, right. and, elder, and yeah. elder abuse. And so we have a very strong lobbying group in Florida, the financial institutions, wanting to make sure that those durable powers of attorney are actually really, really good because, you know, they're relying on them. The financial planners are relying on them. The banks are relying on them. And fraud's happening every day. Accounts are getting wiped out every day. And so part of this thing in Florida is you really, I recommend you really don't have durable power of attorneys that are any older than four years old. I really don't because the law changes so much. Right. It changes so much here in Florida, especially on durable power of attorneys. So that's probably the biggest thing I see is if they do do planning, there's likely been an event that made them do the planning and it's usually children, right? It's usually young children and they'll get the plan in place. And then sure enough, something happens right down the road. And I see as far as elder law goes, I either see an adult child or I see a spouse uh, wanting to come and see me. Um, they're new to me and they're like, dad or my husband just got a diagnosis of dementia or Alzheimer's or he's had a stroke, heart attack, Parkinson's, you name it, right? Sure. And and what do I do? Like, how, how, how do I not go destitute? Or the adult child is, how do we take care of the parents? And, and I'm a two-income family, and I have children of my own. I mean, Gary, I have goosebumps right now because there's such desperation. And when I sit, the first thing I say is, sweetheart, can I see your power of attorney? I need to see your durable power of attorney. And more often than not, Gary... It's usually like Moses parted the sea. That's how old it is, right? right? Um, or they don't have one. And I'm left with saying, if, if dad or your spouse doesn't have capacity, then the only option you're left with is guardianship court. And that's very intrusive, very invasive, and very expensive. And as you can imagine, you know, the person is losing all their rights. And, and who wants to go through that? Especially in Florida, we in the law want to do the least restrictive and guardianship is not it. But sometimes that's our only option yeah. if you haven't kept up with your plans. Yeah. So you uh, use your example there that, you know, if you have a spouse that, that has dementia or or something along those lines and, and you you're not able to, to you know physically care for him anymore because your health isn't the greatest right um and you know you want to put them into an institution that that can provide the care that they need but you don't have something in place a, a trust or, or or something else in place okay. then can you explain what kind of happens there? Because yep. Yep. I've seen this happen more times than not in, uh, you know, talking with different attorneys, you get, get different answers, but 
Right. Um, I just, you know, so Gary, yeah. So, you know, Gary, just because I've been an ER nurse for a really long time, um, what I've seen over the years is that usually what will get somebody that has this onset of dementia or Parkinson's or Olson's Alzheimer's, I mean, you name it, right? Some kind of memory issue. It's not so much that their general health is failing, it's that they fell. I will tell you, number one is they're going to fall, right? And before we even get there, you said something, the spouse's health. Gary, I cannot tell you how many times over the years I've seen that once the, we call them institutionalized spouse. So that's the sick spouse. Once they get placed into the nursing home, it's not long after that the, we call them the well spouse or the community spouse passes away because they've not been taking or have not been able to take care of their own health for years. Absolutely years. Right. And they pass away. So let's go back to what gets them what gets this person with some kind of Alzheimer's, you name it, what's get, what gets them into the healthcare system? It's a fall. Uh, number one, it is a fall. And they get into, they break a hip, they fall, they go in the hospital, their portal into the hospital is the ED, right? It's the emergency department. And then they either have surgery or whatever they have done that gets it fixed, but they realize, the hospital realizes, look, this is an unsafe discharge. They cannot go home to their home situation. They're going to need to go into rehab and get some care, right? Get some treatment so they can get their energy back up, their strength back up, and hopefully go back home. And then, Gary, I'm sure you're fully aware of this, but I'm going to teach everybody a little bit of law. Um, this is this is my nursing coming back out in me. Um, but back in 1993... The federal legislature realized there's this crazy imbalance and we got to somehow fix it. So what am I talking about? Let's pretend, Gary, just go with me on a story here. We're going to take two neighbors, neighbor A and neighbor B. Okay. Neighbor A has got Medicare. Medicare, great national health insurance, right? It is. It's a pretty darn good national health care insurance, right? And they end up having something like, let's say they've got a brain tumor. All right. They have a brain tumor and Medicare looks at it as it's fixable. Okay. We can do surgery. We can do chemo, radiation, you name it, but it's fixable. Right. And so Medicare pays, pays, puts the bill. Great. Neighbor B has Alzheimer's. Parkinson's, stroke, you name it, right? And Medicare doesn't deem it fixable. It's not fixable because currently it's not, right? right? We don't have a cure right now for it. But would you agree, Gary, that they both have something in their brain that shouldn't be there, mm-hmm. right? Great. But yet Medicare won't pay for this. So that means you are left to pay for it yourself. Now, here in Florida, the average cost of a nursing home is roughly about 10 grand a month. And that doesn't include, you know, incontinence, diapers, and all that other stuff. It doesn't. 
And who could have contemplated that that's how much a nursing home would cost, right? Think of, if you're in your mid 70s, right? A lot of my clients are in their mid 70s and one of the spouses just got a diagnosis, right? Just got it. But what's nice, okay, if there's if you can say nice. What's good about it is that that spouse that just got the diagnosis, they still have capacity. That's huge. If they still have capacity, they can sign their own documents. There is so much we can do for them, right? And what elder law is all about is protecting assets. And we've done a pretty poor job as attorneys trying to explain elder law or maybe market elder law. Maybe that's the better term. Mm -hmm. Because when I say elder law, Gary, what do you think your audience thinks? Describe. Who would we be talking about if we're talking about elder law? Yeah, Yeah, we're talking about the white tsunami, right? Right. And I'm not an elder, by the way, yet. Uh, But anyway, and then that's a misnomer because elder law is about birth, to dirt. It doesn't matter what age you are. It does not. It is about birth to dirt. And what it means, so for an example, a baby born with Down syndrome. Nowadays, with all of our advances, they're living to 50, 60, 70 years of age, right? What we're starting to see now, Gary, with that lifespan is some of them are starting to get something that looks suspiciously like Alzheimer's when they're in their 60s and up, right? And so what we know is when that baby gets to 18 or whatever it is, the age in your state, they're going to be entitled to government benefits, right? right? And those government benefits have to last them. Well, now they just inherited. Yep because mom and dad passed away or some great aunt who's trying to be wonderful or grandma and grandpa, right? They inherited. What happens to their government benefits, Gary? They all go away. They go. And we've got this person that is living much, much longer and they need those resources to live. And so part of elder law is protecting those assets. Think about somebody in their 20s, I go there because in my 20s, God help me. But um, (laughs) so think of somebody in their 20s, and they're in a car accident, and it's a traumatic brain injury, right? So they're probably going to get some kind of an award, right? But remember, that's got to last them 20, 30, 40, 50 more years. And so putting that and make sure we're protecting that as well. And then we get to elder law, right? Where people are very familiar with it. You're 65 and above. And there's this misnomer that Medicare will pay for everything. Well, they don't. It's a great national health insurance, but that's what it is. It's health insurance. The biggest payer of nursing home care in the country. Do you know who it is? Not sure. What, what department? It's Medicaid. Okay. When we think of Medicaid, I think sometimes we think of, you know, babies 
uh, young families, right? They're impoverished and, and they need the support. The actually biggest provider for paying for nursing home care is Medicaid. And when we look at that, you have to be destitute, right? So when we go back to 1993, we've got neighbor A, neighbor B. Neighbor B is pretty much screwed, right? And so the federal legislature said, okay, we've got to give away to be able to help these people. So that's where part of what they enacted were these really, really complex um, U.S. federal laws. Look at 1396, right? U.S. 1396. And it's got in there all of these different ways to basically help to protect assets. So everything elder law attorneys do is legal. It's ethical. It's above board. Why do I say it's ethical? Because you've been paying for it all of your working right. life. Yep. And now because you don't have something physical, uh, fixable, you got to pay for it yourself. Right. And that that is the sad part of this, right? And we're seeing people going, I need to go destitute. Um, when we think of uh, married couples, and we've got a spouse who is still going to be at home, and they're young still. I right. mean, early 70s is young, right, Gary? Right. It just right. is. Yeah. And, and, and who life expectancy based on social security administration tables, what, what do we got? 87, at least right. 87 now. Right. Yeah. And so what we're seeing, well, what I'm seeing, and I think a lot of us estate planning attorneys across the country are seeing is that people are living well into their nineties yeah. and beyond and didn't plan on it. Yeah. 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 So, Boy, I just said a whole mouthful there. I'll yeah, stop no, for a minute. I mean, so, so you talked about, you know, somebody who's got the Medicare versus not having, or I should say they both have Medicare, but yeah. Medicare is paying for and one isn't. Um, and you're talking about protecting assets and things like that. So, you know, that that married couple that has somebody that, that has an issue and mm -hmm. things like that. So saying that they have to be destitute for Medicaid to step mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. Now, if if somebody does the planning and does some type of a, a living trust or something like that, do, does that other spouse really need to spend down everything? No. Medicaid? No. Okay. No. And, and, and believe it or not, it's not about having a revocable living trust. A revocable living trust is phenomenal for bypassing probate because mm -hmm. I don't know who wants to go through probate yeah. like Nobody I, I know no. who wants the expense of it the time the hassle holy cow unless you just really don't like your adult children like right. and, and that's possible. <laughs> that's absolutely possible you do not like your adult children or, okay or, then or go you paid or you paid a lot of money for them to go to law school. Yes. And and one more time before you're done. Yep. You're expecting. Yep. 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 <laughs> and so a revocable living trust is really good for bypassing probate and guardianship, right? Mm -hmm. Phenomenal for that. Not so good for asset protection. It, it gets really good or can get really good asset protection upon death if it's done right. Right. Okay. If it's done right, there are 
legal and ethical ways to minimize estate taxes, minimize uh, generation skipping tax, um, all of those things. Like it's it's really good, but you got to be dead, right, right, for that to enact. In elder law, you still need, you usually still need a revocable trust. Why? Because one, not likely both spouses will be in a nursing home. It's possible, right. but for the spouse who's not in the nursing home, you still really want to make sure that they're bypassing probate, right? right and guardianship themselves. In asset protection, what we're doing is we're laying a really strong foundation. And if you do it soon enough in this really strong foundation, what do I mean? You've got an enhanced durable power of attorney that will allow for asset protection, right? And it'll make sure that it's got really good language in it in the event of your incapacity to be able to not have to go through guardianship, right? It's got that in it. On top of it, it's got really strong language where you can set up irrevocable trusts, okay. right? Remember those, there's two big categories of trusts, revocable and irrevocable. And so it's ir those irrevocable trusts that we need in elder law. And then we're also, when we're looking at all of that, if you do it soon enough, a really good elder law attorney that knows what they're doing. And it's in here in Florida, it is a great state to retire, um, by the way. And we can protect almost 100% of the assets. Shut the front door. Like, how right. cool is that? Now, I don't think that it's ever too late, but just know there's just like in healthcare, just like when I was a critical care nurse. Uh, oh, by the way, you wouldn't want me to be your nurse now. I'd kill you. Right. It's been, <laughs> it's been way too long. I'd kill you. But just like in critical yeah, care. Yeah, but you still got the bedside manner. Oh, there we go. Okay. So, but just like when I was a critical care nurse, there's always pros and cons to everything. Right. So if your blood pressure is tanking and I'm putting you on a medicine to raise your blood pressure, great. It's getting the blood flow to the heart and the brain. Yay. But it's diverting the blood flow from your extremities. You may end up with black toes. Right. You may end up with amputated fingers. Right. But it's all about weighing pros and cons. It's about being empowered to know what to do. Right. I love that. So when we're looking at elder law, we're going, OK, so here's where we are now. If you're in a nursing home or about to be in a nursing home, we call that crisis planning. Right. OK. And so those cons are going to be a little bit more aggressive than if you were not in that stage. And so when we're looking at crisis planning, we're probably able to protect between 40 and 70% of the assets. Okay. And so why are we protecting them? We're protecting them because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in a nursing home. I don't. That is not on my bucket list, no, people. Definitely and not. anybody that I've ever met and that I do elder law planning for, that is not their desires to go to a nursing home. So how do we protect assets so that they can stay at home for as long as possible? 
And then why is that important? Well, think about if you've got some kind of a memory issue, right? And we now move you. What happens, Gary? Confusion. Yeah. I mean, because your short-term memory isn't good anymore. It's not. What's really good is your long-term memory. So I often hear older adults saying, when I'm just doing estate planning, right? When I'm laying that really good, strong foundation, I often hear them say, and it's usually men, God help them. They'll say, well, you know, when that time comes, you know, my daughter, my wife, they'll take me out behind the shed and I'm going, well, that's an interesting plan, Joe. Um, but and so when they're, <laughs> when they're in prison for the rest right. of their life, right. uh, and, and not only that, who wants that emotional burden that you're killing your right. dad? Like, how realistic is that, right? Because they do realize when they start getting to that phase, they won't have the cognition to be able to end it. They're right. just not, right? That That isn't a possibility. But then the other thing that I hear is, well, my daughter, oh, God bless those daughters. My daughter is going to take me in. Okay. Did you get along that well with your daughter yeah. beforehand? And not only that, usually most families now, Gary, I imagine you're seeing are two income families, yeah. right? And they have children of their own, whether they're high school or college or whatever, but they got kids of their own and they got a marriage and trying to have mom and dad or mom or dad come live with them. Can you imagine what that looks like? And then what we see, just what I've seen in healthcare too, is when you move them from one setting to another, they tend to go downhill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they go downhill pretty quickly. So, all right, I've talked a lot. I'm going to just stop and take a breath for a minute. Okay, good. Um, You know, you've definitely given the the listeners a lot to think about. I mean, I think we could probably go on for about three more hours about, you know, the the different um, things that that people need to do. Um, At this time, though, give give me one thing that if somebody has not started their planning, what's the one thing that they should do on top of everything else? Get your durable power of attorney, but don't DIY it. Um, and, and, and you laugh. No, I like, laugh. No, I listen, laugh. I'm a DIYer. So many, no, I, because yeah. I, 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 you know, I cringe every time somebody tells me that. And it's yeah. just like, you know, because so many, I see so many mistakes that people make yeah. when it comes to incorporating their business, doing their own taxes, self-diagnosing, you know, yeah. what's, you know, their cough or whatever, you know, putting together, you know, some document off of, off of, you know, the, you name it. And it's just like, I've had people come into me, oh, here's my trust documents. Yeah. It's something they did yeah. offline. And it's like, well, that's great oh. that you have something, but you're missing. It's not going to work. You know, like it's this, this, this. Yeah. You know, have you transferred your assets into the name of the trust? Right. I didn't know I had to do that. Didn't know. That's why you go see a yeah. professional to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. You want to try to, you know, do your own electricity at home. That's fine. Okay. Get this no, no. That's first. what I was going to say, Get Gary. Get done first. Yeah. Before you try to do it because... 
when something happens, we need to yeah. take care of so, it. I'm a DIYer at heart. Oh my gosh, I love a good DIY. Like I have power tools and everything, okay? <laughs> I love me a DIY. Right. But the one thing that I will not DIY is the electric in my house. Why? Because I've been electrocuted twice already, okay? Right. I'm pretty sure the third time won't be a good one. Right. And right. so that's the one thing I will not DIY. And what I really believe with all my heart and all my experiences you should not DIY your estate planning documents. Right. Why? Because you never know when poop's going to hit the fan and you actually have to rely on them. Right. No, That's right. the test. And then it's too late. I and agree 100%. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer of, you know, you get a professional team to work with you from the estate attorney to you know, if you have a business, your business attorney, your CPA, your banker, your insurance broker, your your financial advisor, and you let them all talk. Yeah. Because if they're not talking, something's falling between the gaps. Yep. And most of the people in that in your professional team, they're not going to nickel and dime you from no. it standpoint um, oh my god we don't like it's a flat fee right we exactly. do a flat fee because this is super important i want to make sure especially for business owners that you're meeting yearly right yep. you just uh, the, the laws change so much your goals change so much you're probably who knows what's happening with your business right and if you've got a really good estate plan and as a business owner, I highly recommend that you have a revocable living trust because it's part of that three-legged stool. I can't make a three-legged stool right now, Gary, sorry. But it's, re it's really important part of that three-legged stool. But yes, you know that everybody's will and who you're going to hire, make sure that who you're hiring, you interview them. Oh, yeah. You interview your professionals because not everybody is a good fit for you, just like our law firm. We're not a good fit for everyone. Yep. We're not. Agree right? 100%. Yep. Yeah. So. I just I just look at it so many times because I know with my clients that I preach this too. It's like, you know, hey, you know, Sally, you know, have you told Irene about, you know, that you sold your house? Right. Or that you bought a new house? Right. Or you opened up, you know, you transferred this IRA or you did. Exactly. And the answer is always like, well, why do I need to do oh. that? It's like, because you have, you know, the, this trust you, in the state plan. Yeah. Why did you pay you money? Exactly. Yeah. Why did you pay really good money for a plan that I'm imagining you want it to work when you need it to work, right? Yep. If you want that to happen, your whatever that asset is that you either bought, you sold, whatever, I'm imagining you would want it to avoid probate and you'd want it to avoid guardianship. If you've right. done, you know, your planning, wouldn't you want all your assets going forward to have that same protection, right? right? right. Including your business. Yeah. Right. yeah. 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 Exactly. I mean, it's one of those things that 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 you know, like you did years ago and that book went into the, you know, went into the drawer. It's like, you know, there shouldn't be any dust on it because no. you should be cleaning it off every year and, yeah. and 
having it examined again. Just and, to- and you don't have to go to law school. Like you right. don't have to be the one going to law school, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I think that, you know, listeners, if there's anything you get out of this, do the planning and put together the right team to help you be able to continue through life and whatever your plan is, um, because things are going to change and we're here to help you make sure that you that you update these changes so later on you're safe. Okay. So, I mean, covered a lot of stuff. What have I not asked you that you wish I had? And I'm sure that list is pretty long because there's so much stuff that we can cover. Um, we're going to have to have you back on a, on a, for another episode because I know there's way, way, way more that we can get, uh, continue to talk about. Well, I appreciate that, Gary. I think we covered a lot, though. We really did. I think we, in the time we had, I think we w- went pretty deep. So, yeah. yeah. Great. So, I mean, if people like what they hear and they want to reach out to you um, and get some advice from you, how can they reach you? Yeah. So first um, and foremost is that estate planning, elder law planning is very state specific. Right. So I'm licensed in the state of Florida. Um, I'm a member and a graduate of elder law college. I'm a member of the elder council. Um, I'm part of the Florida Elder Law Association. I'm also part of the National Elder Law Association. However, I'm licensed in Florida, which means you need for me to help you, you need to be a resident of Florida. Whoever the client is Mm -hmm. uh, needs to be a resident of Florida. And if you are, then um, highly recommend you check out our website because we do a lot of really fun, cool stuff on there. But it's uh, the usual www, right? And then it's our last name, dot de Jesus, D-E, Jesus. Now, if y'all don't know how to spell Jesus, we can't, <laughs> like, I can't even go there on that. Right. So Um, and check us out there. And then you can schedule a phone call from there, everything. Great. Yeah. Great. Irene, I really appreciate your time, and we definitely learned a lot from you today. All right. I appreciate it. Take care, Gary. Bye. Thank you. So I'll see you guys next week. Uh, Today, our guest was Irene De Jesus with De Jesus Law Group. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.